Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Only thing unplugged is forgotten season. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. Today, we really got a great one. My guy, Booby Gibson, on the 2007 Eastern Conference champion, Cleveland Cavaliers. I know I said this week was going to be Bonzi Wells, but truth is, he kind of ghosted, so we're still trying to schedule that one out. Getting ghosted by Bonzi Wells is just a part of life for me now, and I guess I'll take it, but we'll get that one done soon for you guys. But today... Cavs talk with Booby. Obviously, the main storyline of this season is LeBron. He has the defining moment of his career to this point. Scores the last 25 points for the Cavs in Game 5 of the East Finals versus Detroit. But what people forget is that in Game 6, up 3-2 at home, LeBron struggles and Booby steps up big time. The rookie goes 5 for 5 from 3 and finishes with 31 points to send the Cavs to their first finals in franchise history. Supporting Cavs for this squad, we got Anderson Varejao, Big Zadrunas Ilgauskas, Larry Hughes, Drew Gooden, and Eric Snow. Cleveland finishes with 50 wins, number 2 seed in the East, number 4 defense in the entire league. A recurring topic by talking heads, even to this day, surrounding those early LeBron Cavs teams was that the supporting Cavs sucked. Booby said they heard this, but also gives his counter to that take, which I thought was pretty fair. He walks us through a post-game conversation with LeBron after Game 5 of that Detroit series. LeBron tells him, Booby, they're going to double me. I need you to be ready. And Booby was ready. So we really got a great one today. I hope you guys enjoy. Reminder, drop that rating and a review. Let's get into it now. Forgotten Seasons with Daniel Booby Gibson on the 2007 Cavs begins right now. We got Daniel Booby Gibson reliving his rookie year, 2007 Eastern Conference champion Cavs. First of all, Booby, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've been following your page for a little bit. Love what you're doing. Love that you shine a light on because it happens a lot. Like guys have incredible seasons and it's so many guys coming in and out of the NBA that you forget about some. So I think it's dope. I'm a basketball junkie just like yourself. No about every player, every team ever. So I'm excited to be on the show. Nah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Before we get into the the 2007 season, uh, we're almost 10 years removed from you kind of retiring from the league, uh, getting away from the Cavs. But big news coming up, you're actually going to be going back to the Cavs. I'll pitch it to you. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what you got in store with Cleveland? You guys just got big superstar trade, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Tell the people a little bit about what we can expect to hear. Man, so like the the opportunity is still in the works. 
But for the last, like, since I retired playing basketball, what I can say about Cleveland, I love them so much. They've just taken care of me, whether it was an ambassador opportunity or whether it was the 50th anniversary where they had me come back for the All-Star game and playing a celebrity game. They've just always kept me um, a part of the circle. And so this summer, I joined the ACP program, which is the assistant coaches program, just to kind of get my feet wet in the coaching and kind of see, like, okay, how can I still affect the game that I love so much? And then Coach Bickerstaff just happened to be at the um, combine while I was over the shooting section of the combine, teaching these guys how to prepare themselves for the league. And he was like, boo, I didn't know that you was even interested in this side of the game. And so from there, he invites me to summer league. I go to summer league. I'm working out with the guys. I'm in the gym with the guys. And fingers crossed, moving forward, they want me to be around the um, program in a, in a hybrid position that we're trying to create. So we got to kind of have some talks with the NBA and some talks with the Cavs. But it's looking a lot like I'll be a part of the Cavs organization um, once again. And it's feeling like – it's sounding a lot like Cavalier for life. That's what it's feeling like. That's dope, man. Congratulations. Man, it's, a, it's an incredible feeling because, you know, some guys play a lot longer than I did. I played like eight years, right? So that's uh-huh. not really like long by any standards. It's, it's commendable, but it's not long. And for that, that eight years to be that impactful and for them to still want to take care of me and keep me a part of the organization, it means the world to me, which is why I'm willing to do anything, you know, they need moving forward for these young guys and just showing that like Cleveland might not be a hot spot for free agents, but it's a hot spot for guys that want to um, build a career and have longevity um, in our game. For sure. So you, what do you think the ceiling is for the squad this year? Like you think that as constructed right now, they can contend in the East? I can't be biased and put them all the way at the top. I got to keep my, you know what I'm saying, my yeah. basketball cap on because the, the East is loaded. You know, you got your Milwaukee's, you got your Phillies, you even got Chicago. Um, the top of the East is loaded from like four to five, but I feel like right there is where we'll start to make a mark. I feel like we'll finally get over that hump and get in the playoffs this year. You know, we got a, a dynamic score now mm-hmm. and, and Donovan Mitchell, the backcourt is nasty. I'm putting them in the, against any backcourt in the league, anybody yeah. want to try it, they, they yeah. can come to the land and see it. And then even Evan Moby. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like he was rookie of the year last year. No no slight to Scotty Barnes. I just feel like if we talk of potential, we're talking about impact on a game last year, I feel like no rookie had a bigger impact than uh, Evan did. On, um, but I'm glad. I'm not glad that he didn't get it, but I know that him not getting it, it's going to take him to a whole nother level mentally as far as preparing. So, you know, it all works out. But I do think – I think a ceiling for them is 4-5 in the playoffs, and uh, we get a taste of it. And then who knows what the future holds. We might add a, a small forward from, from, <laughs> act, act, from acting hey. in the future. <laughs> hey, I saw I saw he was just at Ohio State with Bronny. Maybe he no. goes back, stay, stay close to home. That would be – hey. Hey, one thing about it, it's the king. We're talking about the king. So he got free reign to probably go to whatever NBA team mm-hmm. he want to go to, especially, especially the Cavs. You know what I mean? With with, with him potentially bringing Bronny, too, and Bryce, too, that's 
you just never know what the future holds. But I think, I mean, we're giving away a few picks now by picking up some of these guys. But I think we'll be in a position to potentially uh, make something happen. Well, we'll be looking out for the Cavs, and it's so dope that you're going full circle. Today's purposes, we're going back to the beginning of your Cleveland jersey journey. Yes, sir. 2006-07, your rookie year. You go 42nd overall, second round to the Cavs. Uh, you're joining the team, made their first playoffs with LeBron the year before. They lose in seven in round two to Detroit. This is year four for LeBron. Surrounding you and him, you got Larry Hughes, Vera Zhao, Ilgowskis, Eric Snow. Can you just kind of paint the picture, like what? What are those first memories of whether it's like summer ball, training camp, practices? Like, what are those first memories that you have uh, in your rookie year with Cleveland before the season starts? So, I actually, I got an exclusive for you. So, okay, it's because my first workout was for the Rockets, which is where I'm from, Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, terrible. I'm talking about ass. I went the draft to me and no, and no <laughs> draft from that workout. I couldn't hit the ocean from the beach, right? So I'm like, I'm like, man, should I even stay in this draft at all? I'm mm-hmm. questioning myself. Then John Lucas, I go back to his camp, and the first thing he said to me was like, so you got it out, right? You, now there's nowhere to go but up. You got you got that workout out. The jitters, the nerves, all that. You got it out. You was at home. Such that you was at home, but you now in all your other workouts, you know you're going to do better than that, right? So my next workout is the cab. Go to the Cavs. You got LeBron in the in the corner getting a, a massage on the massage table. I think this might have been a year, a USA basketball year. I'm not. I'm not a two thousand six. They they yeah. It was that squad was actually stacked. They they lost. They lost to Greece. They got the bronze. Got you. So coming in, Bron is like he had been playing, but he was still in the gym. Right. And so I came in, and a lot of guys in the in that draft didn't want to work out. So yo. Your Rondos, your, your Kyle Lowry's, your, your, your Farmars. It was a few guards that they kind of knew my pedigree a little bit from playing AU. Didn't want to get into workouts with me, but they let me get into they they let me get into this one. So it's uh, Rondo, Kyle Lowry, and I can't remember who the who the other guard is. But I'm just like, okay, this is this is my moment. And the complete opposite from Houston, I have the best workout. I ever had. I'm talking about I I don't even dunk like that. But today I'm going through the calls. I'm boom, I'm going crazy. It's powerhouse. And the three ball is my thing. So I broke the record for the three-point drill that they had. And it just happened to be right in front of LeBron. So fast forward to my conversation with Mike Brown. I go upstairs with him. I actually sit in his chair on accident. Just I don't know. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. Nervous, I don't know. I sit in his chair. He's like, oh, no, since you're sitting over there, ask me the question. So I, I tell Mike, no, I say, I say, okay, coach, Um, I, if I was, if you guys would have drafted me, like, you know, how would I, do you think I could help your team? And he was like, um, that's a great question. Um, We actually feel like you would be a great fit for our team. You know, the way you shoot the ball, the way you guard, X, Y, Z. So I'm like, cool. You know, we had a, a great meeting. So I leave there. And my agent, he called me. So I'm talking about, I can't even get to the car good. My phone's blowing up. He's like, man, what did you do in there? I'm like, I just just did my, I did, I did boogie. I went in there and just, just balled out. And so he was like, man, these guys love you. They love you. I mean, they got three picks in this draft. And they basically saying, with one of those three picks, they're going to take you. 
Mm. But it's also they was kind of they was worried about that workout getting out and everybody now seeing what they saw. So my agent was like, with those three picks, he feels like if I if I shut it down, if I shut down my my workout, that the Cavs would then feel like nobody else saw him. We're in a position to kind of get a steal with 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 Booby. And so, man, I put all of my eggs in one bag. I did not. I was, oh man, you talk about so nervous on draft night. I put everything into that and I said, you know what? If I can play with Braun, and I'm looking at their roster, they had like a lot of older guards. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if I can get onto this team, it'll probably be my best position. I mean, my best chance to be successful. Right. And man, I'm sitting in that draft day, first round, go past, they, they select Shannon Brown. Damn, I wanted that. I wanted that first round. What was that? Late, late, late first round. I want to say twenty-one. I think I, okay. I think I remembered exactly. It might be twenty-one because <laughs> that draft was so slow. And so we get close to forty, and then boom, they draft me at um forty-two. And um, they actually when they draft me, when I got to Cleveland, this don't happen for second round picks. Basically said they was going to sign me for two years to a two year deal. To kind of be able right to, you know, right away. So I was like, damn, I got a guaranteed contract out of the deal. So it kind of worked out that I, um, you know, put all my faith in them. And then later on, I come to find out that like LeBron was one of the people uh, behind the scenes damn. to be like, if this kid is available, from what I just saw, like, let's bring him on. So then, you know, we get to the, my first year, 2000, what, 2006. And, um, yeah, I'm working my ass off. I'm talking about first person in the gym, last one to leave. And so in doing that, I, me and LeBron developed, like, cause I'm trying to beat him to the gym every day because he's yeah. a workhorse like that. And so me and him ended up, because of that, we started shooting together every day. And so that's when he started to develop, you know, some trust in me as a player, as a person. He would take me everywhere that they would go. To kind of and I over time, you know, you just you he he loses the the LeBron effect that I think everybody else be like so in awe. It's like nah, man, this is like a really cool dude. Like this is like my brother for sure. He's like making sure I'm straight. He's showing me everything, and so that's kind of how that first that first season started. And then you know that leads me up into that Detroit series. And, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll, hey, we'll, we'll yeah. get, we'll get yeah. there. Cause that's, that's, yeah. that, but, that was a dope moment, but kind of, yeah. kind of going back to the, the preseason, like kind of curious about LeBron. I think what's interesting about his career is you have these different phases and he's constantly evolving. Like he gets into the league, just raw 18 year old athlete kind of relies on his athleticism and probably like around the time that you enter, like he, I'm just curious, like when you're in the lab with him that summer, the first summer, like what is he trying to add to his game? Like, what is that next kind of like, is it the shooting? Is it the post moves? Like what is, what is he kind of keying on as, as you guys gear up for the season? At this point, I think he was just becoming more comfortable and more fluid with his jump shot. Mm. I think, I think he felt like, he was so explosive and so dynamic and it's with his size. Nobody could really stop him from getting to the rim or making players or doing whatever he wanted to do. But what teams would do was they would kind of bag off of him and uh, give him, give him jump shots and allow him to shoot. And so that, that preseason getting to the gym early 
his 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 focus was really about shooting the basketball, and that was a lot of what um, what we did together. What we focused on um, before games, before practices, and after practices daily. Yeah, I mean he's he's gone like earlier in this early in the season he's shooting a lot of threes and he's shooting it really well. Doesn't really hold going into the season. Uh, a main yeah. storyline for this year. Uh, so David Stern's the commissioner. The year before you get into the league, they changed the dress code. That comes oh, in from David Stone. God. I think it's you know the Allen the yeah, Allen Iverson I, rule. Yeah. The Allen Iverson rule. But <laughs> so that happens the year before you get into the league, and then the year you get into the league, they change the ball. If you oh remember, oh my god, so I do remember. So what? So was that just like because Shaq was saying it's like an indoor outdoor ball that you buy at like Kmart? Like what man. is what's going on there, and why was it so bad? Man, the ball, it was the texture of the ball. They tried to make it like soft because they said like the ball that we played with the leather ball that people trying to stay like like it slides and like it was hard to to grip. That's what. Some of the some of the players are saying, which is why they were trying to change it. I also think it was a money play because I want to say that the ball that we started using was like a different a different brand ball. Yeah, and so you know all that stuff goes into the to the to the NBA. Um, but I, I just could not shoot it. But I knew that in order to to get playing time, I had to I had to figure it out. And so mm-hmm. it just was never I, it was never a comfortable thing. It was always a thing where you felt like you had to really lock in to perform well. It wasn't like, it didn't give you the same natural feel that the old mm-hmm. basketball gave you. And I mean, that's tough when you're coming in as a kid that don't nobody really respect and nobody's really going to give you an opportunity. And the one way that you can get playing time is to make shots. Like my first time with that ball, I got in the game. Um, Not my first time, but after me, after I, you know, had the Gilbert Arenas experience. We're playing against the Toronto Raptors in Toronto, and Coach Brown throws me in the game, and right away I give me a little corner three. I raise up, I shoot, I miss. We come back to the huddle. Coach Brown, I don't, I don't know what kind of inspirational tactic this was, but he hit me with the, Booby, if you're going to shoot it, you better make it. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, Coach, I don't think I've seen nobody 100%. Um, <laughs> on the floor right now, ain't nobody hundred But in my mind, I was like, okay, that's how you feel. We're gonna do this. So literally, the next time down, worst, even more terrible shot, like a even worse shot. The guy's like right here. I just kind of look down at the floor and like raise up right in front of him again. But I knock it down, and then when I run it down past coach, I'm like that, like that coach. And then he kind of smiled and like again, that was just me and him kind of building that rapport and that trust. But I had to do that with that ball. So it was that on top of the fact that I had like the pressure of Braun throwing it across to me, you got to knock it down. Coach telling me only way you're going to play is if you make every shot. I got this ball that I'm not not that comfortable with. But it all it all worked out in the end because I, I want to say we by the end of the year, we didn't even have we, we went back to yeah. the old ball. So kind of going in like painting the picture of the East that you're walking into the conference. So. On top is the Pistons. They have been to the conference finals like uh, five straight years. And mm-hmm. so they're, they're on top. You got Miami, who's coming off the championship with, with Shaq and Wade. Toronto's in the mix. Chicago's in the mix. Who did the team kind of view as the the top dog? I mean, obviously, you, you're confident in yourself. But who's that team to, the, to beat in the East? Is it the Pistons, kind of the steady team? Or is it the defending champs, the Heat? Yeah, it was the Pistons. It was the Pistons at that point because we still felt like, they had they had like our number. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like every time we would play against them with with the lineup they had, they just caused us so many problems with their size and Chauncey would even post too. But they just had like a lot of size and a lot of grit. And like kind of like Jordan with the Pistons in the, in the 90s, Bron was like that with the Pistons at the beginning Facts. of his career. You know what I mean? Like those guys would beat up on him. They would send double teams. They would just make his life miserable because he really didn't have not much backup. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what a lot of people say about our team. You know, say it was just him. Hey, if, but, hey, if 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 you can if you can say that about your own team, then you. I mean, no, nah, man, I keep it. A, I keep it a, a buck one thousand. The one thing about our team is he might not have had another superstar. I still feel like Larry Hughes is very underrated as a player. That was my best, but he had a team that were going to run through the wall for him defensively and offensively. We all kind of fit what he did well. You know what I mean? So if you take LeBron on, on our team, you got Z, who can shoot the mid-range, the trade ball a little bit, pick and roll. He's going to get all the putbacks. You got Drew, who was a, a very much so underrated mid-range shooter. So you play pick and roll. LeBron played pick and roll with him. He's knocking it down. You know, we talked about Larry Hughes, who was an unbelievable defender, always close to the, the league lead and still steals. And you got Eric Snow play with Allen Iverson, who, you know, who showcased that he would guard all of the better, guard all of the big guards for, for AI so he could just play offense. So you think about that starting five alone, it just complimented, complimented Brian well. He might not have had like a, you know what I'm saying, like a, another starter rock with him. But as a whole, we made it hard for teams to get away from us. So we gave him a chance to um, close out games and, you know, be, be LeBron. So I feel like that's, that, that, was our, that was our knock. And we played well together. We liked each other. I think the, I, I was just going back and, like, reading what people were saying about that team. The lineup that people said was the best was you, Pavlovich, LeBron, uh, Gooden, and then Z. Uh, but they never really played Z- you. Z or Andy. Z or Andy. Z, Z, Andy. Uh, I mean, looking back, like, obviously the NBA is completely different now than it was in 2006-7. Now you see pace and space. Uh, if you were to go oh, back man, and kind of like have, have that team now, like how would you sort of s- s- shift it? Would you play LeBron like even at the four? Would you put just like all shooters around him? Like if you're the head coach or the GM looking back on that team, how would you kind of do things differently? Well, you know what? We had a lineup that was tailor-made for what you just described. We would have, I don't know if we, if we had, Bron, Bron wouldn't be at the four, but we would basically play him as the, as the one. You know, mm-hmm. and then we would have Andy, Andy set the screen, but then you would have me out there, you have Damon Jones out there, and you have Danielle Marshall out there, who we forget about, who was who was the, who was ahead of his time in terms of being able to shoot the basketball. So mm-hmm. if you got when you had that crew on the floor, that's why when you go back to game five, when Brown goes off for 49 or the 29 yeah. straight, when he does that, think of Go look at the guys that are spacing the floor for him. You got Danielle in the corner. You got me on the wing. And I forget, you might have had, I forget who's on, maybe Sasha, like you said, on the Probably, other side. Yeah. But it depends on, on, on those lineups. Yeah, there's really nowhere that you can help on the floor. Mm-hmm. So we kind of we created our own space 
um, had our own shooting lineup before it was even a thing. So I feel like that would have been the lineup that I would go with, but it would have just been, I feel like we would have felt more comfortable just letting threes fly. You know what I'm saying? We were still a little, little hesitant to just let them fly the way that they do now. But with a team like that, with Braun at the point, we could have, we could have, um, made some shot some high numbers, I believe, if we would have had the opportunity to. Can you imagine that, like, like planning that young LeBron and that and, like, yourself even in the modern league? Like, if, if teams know and coaches knew, like, maybe it's not a good idea to have two big men that can't shoot on the floor with LeBron together. Like, can you imagine just how how tough and really, because you said in, in Detroit, we'll get there later, like, they literally could not touch him because if you do help, you have shooters in the corner and they're old at that point. I mean, can you just imagine like a young LeBron in this modern free flowing offense? I cannot. I cannot. Cause even LeBron that we have now, <laughs> dominates, yeah. you know what I mean? 20 years later, it's, damn near. Yeah. Still 20 years later doing the same thing. And man, he just had this bionic, well has, but even greater than this just bionic left leg, man. And like whenever he <laughs> whenever he wanted to take off or whenever he wanted to like whenever they would double him, he man, he to me just the greatest basketball player that I've ever been on the floor with. Man, it's just his IQ, his physical size, and his abilities at that level just made it so hard to stop, man. They like the the I saw teams throw everything at this at this guy from from the bigs to the to the double teams, small forwards, and it was just nothing that you could do with him. So I can just only imagine as the game continued to expand, if if they caught him a little bit earlier, just just how much damage he would have been able to do on the floor. I mean, he's still like yeah. killing it, but you know what I mean. It's, it's hard to say with somebody that 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 that, that kills the game at this level that he would have done better. But yeah, it would have been I a think, crazy thing to see. I think it's fair to say. So I want to just get right into the Pistons series. So fi- finishing out the regular season, you go 50 and 32, two seed in the East, number four defense in the league, number 18 offense in the league. You mentioned you take care of the Wizards, sweep them in the first round, no Gilbert Arenas. You get past the tough net squad with Jay Kidd and Vince Carter in the second round. I was going to say, don't, don't act that. Don't sleep on that squad. because they, yeah, they t- speak t- Talk on it. Talk on it. Nah, because a lot of people just act like we just had this cakewalk, you know what I mean? To get well, to the well s- sorry to interrupt, but like the the what people always say now is the the East was weak. I mean that you can no that's way. Do y'all know that the, the start backward that was you know that you know that was um kid Jefferson and, and Carter, right? They yeah, they just gonna just skip over them three like they <laughs> hey. like hey, they I'm just I'm just relaying them. information. <laughs> We're going to act like they didn't go to the finals and play against uh, when they had K-Mart play yeah. against Shaq and Kobe and those guys. We're going to yeah. act like that didn't happen. But, no, nah, like, that's Braun having to deal with Vince Carter and and Jefferson for an entire series and killing it. Like, basically killing it. You know what I mean? And then the next one, the next the next level we go to, we see this Pistons team that did the same thing. Like, they've been to the finals. They've mm-hmm. been they battle tested. They got pretty much the same, the same exact crew. They know how to play together. And um, we basically just getting our introduction to that that level of basketball. Like Bruh had that was his second time really experiencing yeah. um that that level of intensity. So 
Yeah, I just don't be, I just be trying to make sure people don't get away with the idea that that it was just easy for him to get it done. Like he 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 ran through a couple walls to get to that finals. So Eastern Conference Finals, the Pistons, you said they have the same core. They don't have Ben Wallace, but to fill his spot, it's Chris Weber. So you're basically right. swapping out one Hall of Famer for the other. Series is tied 2-2 on the road, game five. And this is when the defining moment of, of his career to that point scores 25 straight to close the game out, uh, finishes with 48. I mean, given it every way, you mentioned they're, they're throwing everybody at him. I was watching, like, they put Billups on him. They tried Prince. Nothing's working. Max, Max what, everybody. What do you, what do you, what, what do you remember? What are the, you know, the images or plays in your mind that, that when you think of that game, just what, what comes to your mind? Man, I said to myself, and you know what, when you in that moment, I didn't know he had 25 or 29 straight. I just knew that like in my head, I'm like, Michael Jordan has always been like, like my, my goat. Like he's been like my, the guy for me. Mm -hmm. But what I'm watching right now, what I'm witnessing right now, I'm like, it's, whew, Jordan gonna have, Jordan days is the goat. His numbers, <laughs> his days are numbered. That's what I'm thinking. Like, cause it's like, I'm like, there's just no way, like God try to guard him. When I knew it was a problem was when he started making that three and making that jump shot, like right at the top of that left. Mm -hmm. When they would, when they would bag up a little bit and he would knock that down. At that point, it's really literally nothing you could do. Cause when they tried to come up, we saw what happened in and out. And that's one of the images I remember when um uh, he comes off the pick and roll. And then I believe it's Max Hill or somebody hits with an in and out. And that right hand, I tell you that left, that bionic left leg took over. <laughs> and when he, when he dunked that one, it was just like the whole air went out of the whole building. Cause I mm -hmm. think every player on the other team knew like, it's, it's nothing we can do. And they, I think they were hoping they're like, okay, we might have lost this one, but if we can get out, we can get one in Cleveland. Like we've gotten one there before. Like I think they still felt mm -hmm. like after that game, they will get one. But the defining moment for me was yeah, after the game. No, nah, I, I fouled out. I fouled out that game. You good? I fouled. I fouled out that game trying to guard. You know, Tayshon and Rip and all those guys. They posted me up every chance they got. So I fall out, but after the game, Brian came up to me and he goes, he said, be ready to shoot. Like, be ready to shoot in this game. He's like, I know they're gonna double. I know I already know what to expect. Be ready to shoot. Don't don't think about it. Nothing else. Just let it fly. And so, like in my head, I'm like, oh, whew. like you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, just told me, like, this is my moment. Like, you know, so I come to the game, and even before the game, because I wasn't playing like a whole lot of minutes. We would like get up and down before the game, get going five on five. And I was shooting the ball pretty well mm -hmm. before the game. We playing a, a serious game. And so by the time the game started, man, once once one of them, one of them dropped for me. And I don't know if that was a game where I was like, I got and one or something. I'm like beating on my chest on the floor. At that point, as loud as that arena was, I heard nothing. I ain't hear it. You, I, and I was so like locked in to the moment, and he just like he called it. Every time he touched the ball, I saw everybody turn towards him. Two guys. All I did was just slide, slide to the open spot, slide to the open spot, and he would either hit the guy and they would hockey assist it, or he would just come 
straight to me with it. And yeah, once once I so once I had a couple of them go in, it was just it was just one of those nights. I don't think I missed the three pointer um that night. And um yeah, I think my hearing started back working at the end when um I was at the free throw line and everybody was like, ooh, wee, ooh, wee. Like that moment, I still get goosebumps when I think about it. Cause I think that was the, that was just the moment where like the Cleveland hadn't been to the final, I want to say, since, what, 65, I believe? It was, like, never, right? Never. Yeah. So, that's, I think, that's why where me and, like, the Cleveland lure, where we just, we got locked in for life. Um, Leaving that game, I'm trying to, um, Coach Brown hit the the infamous saying, if you better watch out, if you better not leave them open, because it's booby for three. Um, I try to lead the game. I'm being, I'm, I'm just, I'm a rookie. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I stick my head out the car like, yeah, yeah, like when we get ready to leave. And so like a mob of just Cleveland fans like come to the truck. They got, they about to flip my truck over outside. It was like, it was like one of those nights like we had just won the finals. But to that defense, we had never experienced anything like that before in Cleveland and um. I'm just glad that like that was one that was the night that I that I had my best professional um game in in the closeout game. I feel like that was it was destined, man. It was destined. So it gotta be like surreal almost. I still I live I still when I go to the games and they play it back, when I think about it right now, the feeling the feeling of that moment, it don't really leave. It don't mm-hmm. really leave because you don't. You believe that it happened, but it's still unbelievable <laughs> that it happened. You know what I mean? Like, it was his first time going to the tip, and nobody expected us to beat those guys. Nobody expected us to win and get to that and get to that championship. But we did. We felt like we weren't we weren't afraid of them. We we had played them before. We had been in our close games with everybody all year long. Mm-hmm. So we felt like we can compete with any team in the league. So um yeah, that was one a night to remember for sure. So yeah, then talk about it. You 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 get past the Pistons, you get that done, and then waiting for you is you know the seasoned, uh, multiple time <laughs> champion Spurs, and you 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 get swept. But to be fair, those last two games were super close. Game three, yeah. LeBron misses a three. You lose by one in game four. But I mean, yeah, what, we thought, what, we what thought- was it? Go go for it. <laughs> we now nah, you good. We thought we could beat them too. Let's just start yeah. with that. We we but at that point, we just I don't think we know just how talented the West was too. You know what I mean? Like we had played some, had a couple games on the West, but if you go back to start looking at some of that 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 Western conference, they were pretty, pretty um talented too. Stacked. And then like you said, you you get to the Spurs and you 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 really going up against a well oil machine like they've been there before they understand it all larry hughes now even in the game against detroit what i what i left out was larry hughes played that with with um a torn i believe plantar fasciitis the whole time so i heard that's like one of the most painful injuries you could have yeah he would be in the game as a decoy kind of like chris paul was dead when Mm -hmm. he hurt his shoulder Keep mm-hmm. Larry, Larry couldn't give us nothing, but they respected him enough to, you know, what I mean, stay away from him and not and, and give us something on the floor. But he didn't have nothing, um, nothing for us. And I want to say a few other guys were hurt, so we limped 
into into that finals. And um, and again, for me, I still feel like for LeBron, necessary growing pains, right? You go up against a team like that, and then you understand, like, okay, it's one thing to get to this level, but it's a it, it takes a whole nother level if I want to win um an NBA championship. And so in his story, I feel like it was necessary because I remember Tim Duncan said to him, he was like, thank you. Thank you for giving us this one because uh, we know it's early <laughs> in your career. That's what he said, and, that 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 picture after you. That's what he said to him. Yep, that's what he said to him. He was like, thank you for giving us one. Like we we um, this is going to be your league for a long, long time. We just we just happened to catch you. You know what I'm saying? Early on. So he knew we all knew. And um, I was like I said, I was just thankful to be a part of it. Even some of those press conference moments that I had with him. It was just it was just surreal as a rookie, and he always had me right under his wing, always yeah. hype hyping me up, always telling me how good I could shoot, how much I was ready for the moment. Even if I wasn't ready for the moment, he was psyching me out. You know what I mean? To believe that like it was my time, and um, I'm that's my brother um till this day. You know, for that reason, like he definitely um took care of me. I mean, he the reason I got my bag. I, I'm not afraid to say it. I wouldn't get a bag without the king. Hey, he he got a lot of players the bag, bro. <laughs> you're not you're not the only one, but that's <laughs> hey, that's 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 dope. Um, well, that real, finals me. You 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 play big minutes. Uh, you go up against the the Parker Ginobili backcourt. Are you mostly guarding Tony or Manu or, or both? That was my introduction. My my introduction to the. You're to welcome. The, you're welcome. The, welcome. Welcome to the NBA. To the real. To the next level, you know, like I had played, I played against Tuss, you know, I had, I had played against him in the summer, so it wasn't a big deal. He, he posts you up, make a shot mm-hmm. in there. But T, Tony Parker at, at, at this time, so shifty, so, so much quicker than you even, than you think he is with the little crossover spin move that he'll hit you with in the paint. And he's not bigger than you, so you thinking like you got it covered. But as an in the paint scorer, Floaters, ladies, dishes, one of the best, one of the best to ever do it. Being able to get, I think he might have been the guy to really introduce the floater to the game the way that it, the way that it is shot now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was just a lesson for me, just a lesson in in point guard ability and a lesson in the hierarchy and that it's levels to this game. Like mm-hmm. you might have had your your fun in that last round, but they didn't know how well I they didn't respect how well I shot the ball in the in the Detroit series. I'm just a rookie. They're not thinking uh-huh. that he's gonna be able to do this in game six. And I think that's what Chauncey said. He was like, we we asked for somebody to beat us and the kid the kid did it. Like they didn't they didn't expect that from me. But now going to San Antonio, they like, hell no, nah, we're not giving you nothing for free. Anything. You know, they didn't give me many open shots. And we switched our rotation. They had me starting because Larry was hurt. So they started me a couple of those games. And now I'm I'm people don't understand. I would get a lot of my shots because in the second group, when Brian and those guys would go out, they would just give me the ball. Like, mm-hmm. here, come out, pick and roll. We're gonna run this play for you, run this screen for you. So by the time LeBron and them came back in, I had I had already got my shots up and got my got everything going. But when you start, now you're out there with LeBron, D, Drew. Big, yeah. Now I gotta be the guy that kind of get them shots and kind of wait for mine. So like the rhythm, rhythm was off, rhythm was different. So 
it was a you know it was a tough series for us overall, but I think we were uh, happy that we got there, happy that we put put Cleveland on the map um, to get started. So, I mean, I imagine you're a young team. You you make the finals. Or you're not a, a super young team, but you got LeBron. He's only getting better. You probably expect, okay, you know, we'll be back. You know, this is the you know this is just the first one. But then the summer after that, the East, which you know, which you know you yeah. you were pretty much set to be on top. The, mm-hmm. the, the landscape of the league completely changes. The Celtics' big three forms, KG and Ray Allen come in, and now you're saying, all right, you know, shit, like, you know, uh, that this is what we have now. So you're with the Cavs with LeBron for three more years after that. You don't make it You don't make it to the finals again. What do you think mm-hmm. kind of held you guys back from not allowing you to get, to get to that point? Was it just, you know, you guys were still developing and now you have these three Hall of Famers? Uh, Orlando is also coming up. What kind of what held you guys back those next three years? I mean, kind of like, kind of like what you. I mean, you kind of hinted to it, or we we hinted to it before. I feel like we had we had a good core of players. We had a great role players, if you will, on the team. But as you can see, the league at that point was starting to turn towards dynamic duos. And having guys that like, if LeBron's not doing his thing, having a, having somebody else that can pick up that slack for him, and teams not be able to just key in on one guy, and you know, for LeBron, I just felt like we made we made deals to try to um um to plant. I mean, to make sure that he still had guys around him that could compete, but we never really got that other guy that could stand next to him. You know, we had Mo, who was an All Star that Brian made. Brian May All Star, um, Jameson. We tried to get Wally. We tried to get. Um, we even added Ben. Um, yeah. We tried. We tried a few different things, but we never. I that that's just in my opinion. We never added another guy that could take the pressure off of him and create for for other people as well. And so I I honestly feel like that was after he dealt with Boston and then dealt with the 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 Magic and and he was just like you know what like. I gotta, I gotta figure this thing out because I don't think nobody's gonna come to cold Cleveland with me. So I'm gonna go out here to um, Miami, you know what I'm saying, with some guys that, again, that can compete at that level with teams that are kind of putting teams together to beat him. Like, yeah. you know, they, they put that team together for him. And so um, I couldn't knock him for it. I was mad about it initially, just, just as a competitor. You don't want, you know what I'm saying? I got to feel like they got to lead to win. But overall, we know that the NBA is a business and any one of us can get shipped out to another team like that. And, you know, they don't ask you if you want to go. You know what I'm saying? So he didn't have to tell us that that's what he was doing. But him being my brother and him being the guy that he, that he always is, the love never changed. You know what I'm saying? He still was – he still he's still my brother and, and even in that game, we played against him when he came back. We had like a couple moments that we shared out there on the floor that was like, I like you left me, but you know, I, you know, I'm gonna still come at you. So it was hey, fun. that was, I think people forget when, when he left from the owner down, yo, that was crazy. That the, it the was, letter, it was, the, ugly. it was ugly, man. And, and, and stemming from what we're talking about that season, think about that. Like, we feel like. We didn't got it out the mud. We didn't fought together in the trenches, and then you know, all of a sudden, we're like, "I'm out." And then 
he said when he said I'm out, it wasn't just that he left. He left later in free agency. So we weren't able to get nothing. We didn't even add up. <laughs> we didn't even, it wasn't just that he left. We didn't even add a small forward. We like got a small, like, I don't know. I want to, no disrespect to, I want to say my brother Joey Graham, I think might have been mm-hmm. who we, who we had to like replace him with at that time. And it was just like, yeah, we went from here to here pretty fast. And um, that was just what the, what the, what the, um, the anger was because like Cleveland is like a true sports town and all it has is is sports and they grab onto you tight like the the Indians I think they just changed the name the um the Cavs and the Browns like if you if you if they love you they love you but if they don't like you (laughs) you gonna know it they hate you and so uh yeah that was that was a pretty pretty tough time for us the transition. I went from winning the finals to playing on. I think we lost like twenty games in a row, twenty five games in a row. Uh, <laughs> hey, it got it, it got it got it got ugly fast. That's how that's how fast. life works, though, right? Yeah, and I also that, but that's why the fans love me. You know what I mean? That's why we share that bond because I never wavered. I never mm-hmm. still came out, played every game, still left it all on the all out there on the floor in every situation. And I think that that's why we still share what we share because I was I, we went through all of it, all of it together. And then full circle, I wasn't on the team when they won the, the finals, but I was there. I was I was at the game. I was in the suite. I was there when they when they when they, when it came full circle. So I got to feel that too, which was fun. That's dope. Um, kind of just closing out. I mean, uh, a few years ago, you opened up kind of about the the end of your NBA career and everything you went through with, you know, the death of your grandmother going through a divorce. I think just, you know, myself and a lot of people are wondering, you, you seem great right now, but um, just talk about kind of maybe the, the mental health side of the game that we don't see John wall. I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, kind of opened up Man. about, about his, his situation, which wasn't very different than yours. Like, you know uh, first off, just like, you know, how, ha- ha- How's your headspace right now? But uh, yeah, talk about that that mental health side that we as fans have no idea what's going on there. I wanted to commend I, I you got me a little. I had completely I was in in the happy zone, but then you kind <laughs> oh, of tra- no, not so not not in a bad way at all. But I wanted to say I commended John Wall for it, and even commended Kevin Love for it because as I was going through it, it was. It was. It wasn't as talked about. It was more, you know, what I'm saying, kind of taboo when you mention that sort of thing. And so, yeah, kind of like what John Wall experienced when you you get injured. I broke my foot. I tore. I tore the tendon that connects the bone to the ankle on the left side of my foot. And so they had to like fuse it together. So it's like a three month, six month process. But I was going into my um my contract year when I broke it. And so. I broke it, was planning on coming back, um, talking to my agent about that. And then in the comeback, I had tore my meniscus. So it's like, shit, so you do that one. And then, like you said, at the same time, I'm going through my divorce, finalizing my divorce, trying to figure out how often I'm going to be able to see my son. But I can't really move because I'm, I'm, I'm beat up at the time, right? And then on top of it, my grandmother, who actually had mental health issues before 
I wasn't able to get back home to see her due to everything that I was going through. And then she, and she passed away. She was one of the, the, the women who helped raise me. So it was just like a, just like an onslaught of like just negativity. And I just didn't have an outlet. So it, I just, it just kept sinking, kept sinking, kept sinking. And just mentally, like I was just out of it. And so after like a year, year and a half of trying to get back, trying to hope, I was like, my body's not responding the right way. I'm not. So I just had to take a step back. And um, a lot of people tried to try to throw me under the bus and say, like, I quit basketball to, like, make music or something weird like that. When, in actuality, I was able to, to create music and write songs that kind of changed my mentality as far as what I thought about my life and who I was, what I was capable of. And it really shifted me back into the person that you see now, the confident, the smiling person, the person that lights up that room. It was all because I was able to vent in, in, in my music and in my writing. And so that's kind of what shifted it back. And that kind of led to, you know, some um, some TV stuff that allowed me to stay active. And um, I did the challenge. I did some love and hip hop stuff. And I did, you know, some entertainment stuff to kind of, continue along and find ways to 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 stay a part of the game but a lot of people it really hurt me that a lot of people thought that like I just didn't care about basketball no more you know what I mean and that's kind of what I was able to show the Cavs and just show everybody now that it's come full circle that it had nothing to do with um me not me quitting basketball for something else it's just life just said basketball is just the physical part of it, you just might not be able to do no more. But it took a minute for me to to accept and understand that. And I'm always open to having these type of conversations because it's a lot of guys that deal with that. And a lot of people look at us like just because we got a lot of money that we're not human, that like the money's supposed to like fix all of those issues. And like, how can you be sad when you got millions in the bank it's like yeah but like when you losing everything that you love right when everything that you love is like literally being taken away from you you don't know how to deal with that um and most men we just we just go into a corner and try to hide until it like it goes away and so i share it because i just want anybody that could be dealing with it that might be struggling with feeling so negative to know that like it's just a matter of you changing your perspective and finding ways to bring that joy back out and it's, it's it's still possible for you to smile and and have a great life and so i try to be the poster boy for that so i wasn't saying that you shift the energy to something negative but i want i i love having that conversation just so that if anybody that's watching this can feel like okay if he did it it's possible for um me to do it too and that's making it to the nba or making it out of a out of a dark space because yeah, I'm not the biggest guy either, but I made I made some things happen in my life. Nah, salute, bro. Um, I think that kind of puts a ball on it better than than I could ever do it. Uh, but yes, I sir. think it's it's super important to to talk about that stuff. And John Wall, you mentioned Kevin Love, uh, and I think that's also what this kind of media stuff allows. My hope is for fans and people that watch you play, you know, watch you light up the Pistons for 31. You know, that's that's a part of you, but that's not nowhere near like the whole story. So just hopefully like trying to give people a, a chance to see you and other players, like just as regular people, because Hey, you know, 
we're all humans and we're really not not very different when you when you boil right. it down. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes you just need to know that it's not just you. It's not just you that's going through it. Like it's a lot of us going through it. We might be able to put on a, a happy face and you might think that like, oh yeah, his life is great, but he's probably going through the same things you are. So don't feel like you're alone, man. It's a, it's a lot of love out here. It's a lot of people that love you. So I def anytime I can spread that word, I will. So I appreciate you for having me. I love, love, love what you're doing with the page, man. I feel like it's it's a lot of players and a lot of NBA moments that could shoot could use a little light. So thank you for having me for sure. Thank you for your time, man. And again, you know, uh special season said you it changed your life. Is this kind of was 0607 like when you look back on your whole basketball career? Is that like moment number one? That is that is the moment the moment that changed that that changed my life was that that game six. I was at um I was in Cleveland for for summer league. Literally, um I went to Outback Steakhouse, I believe. I'm sitting at the bar and a kid and a guy comes up to me. He was like, man, I used to watch you. And, I, and in my head, I'm like, damn, I'm only 35. Like, what do you mean? I used to watch you, watch you when I was little. But when I think about, like, the timeline of, like, the kids that was, like, 8, 9, 10, now, yeah. 15 years from now, that are 25, 22, those are the little kids that I inspired. So I was like, you know, it's just dope to see, like, that I had such a big impact on um, – on the city of Cleveland, because I, I was so young. I was such a baby, so I think a lot of them um, gravitated towards me. So I'm still humbled by every single time I go down there, but the, the love is real. For sure, the love's always real. Um, again, congrats on this new Cavs gig. We'll definitely be looking out for news on that. And, you oh, know, yeah. hey, if, if, if the Cavs three-point percentage creeps up this year, I think, I think, we, know, I think we know why. It's safe to say, man. If you want to win, put Booby in, man. It's that easy, man. It's safe to say. If the, if the percentage goes up, they made the right choice. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I definitely want to make Cleveland uh, my home for life. Salute, bro. Again, appreciate your time. Be easy, man. Absolutely. Same to you. That's a wrap for this week. Forgotten Seasons with Daniel Booby Gibson on the 2007 Cavs. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus, signing off. Reminder, drop a rating and a review. I'll catch you next week. Until then, be easy and peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.